Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here with you today. I uh, I love this season, man. It's become, um, it's just a good time, right? Like we get to focus on everything that's good in the world, right? And so I, I'm so thankful to celebrate this season with you guys as a church, as a church family. Um, I just, I love it. So it's so good to just celebrate this together. And I'm going to read um, one more time from Isaiah 40, uh, verses 3 through 5. And it says, In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it. I love that. He says, so, well, I'll, I'll tell you that later. There's someone I'm say later. He says, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And that's from Isaiah 43 through 5. And that was prophecy of a promise that God was making for the future. And so we're going to see the fulfillment of that, pro- that prophecy um, in Jesus Christ. And so um, as we continue to celebrate Advent, remember, if, if, if you missed it, Advent is a season of preparation. And so what you're, it's, it's preparation for a big event, uh, an important person that's coming. Um, it's, it's, it's looking towards the coming of an, imper- an important person or event uh, in the future. And so for the Christian, what Advent is celebrating, we're focusing on the coming promise that God made to us. That coming person or that, that is the ultimate event, right? And so this, these next few weeks, we celebrate, we focus on um, the coming of Jesus. And each week, we're going to focus on a different area of Advent. Each week, we're going to look towards the coming of the King. And so last week, we talked about hope, and we talked about anticipating uh, that, that hope that, that we had in Jesus and believing in the promise to come true. That promise that the people of Israel had been waiting for since, since Adam and Eve, right? We looked all the way back to Adam and Eve and when uh, the relationship with God was broken and distorted and messed up and God came in and he made this promise to Adam and Eve and then he made the promise to, um, to Abraham and we looked at the promise he made to David that he was going to send someone, he was going to send uh, the game changer. They didn't know what it looked like. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They didn't know how it was going to come. But God had made them a promise that this thing that's been broken, this thing that's been messed up, this thing that's been distorted, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. You may not know what it looks like, but I'm going to fix it. And so for generations, for thousands and thousands of years, they had been hoping and believing in this promise. And it's sometimes all you have is hope, right? And so last week we looked at, we tried to put ourselves in the uh, place of the Israelites who were looking towards and believing in this hope that they had that God was going to fulfill this promise that he had made to them. God had made them a promise and all they had sometimes is hope. They were believing, they were hoping in that promise. We're encouraged this season to keep that hope, right? Like, not just our hope that we have in Jesus, who's our Savior. Like, if you're a Christian in here, you have the ultimate hope. We have the ultimate promise that God has made to us. We have the ultimate hope in our Savior, in our King, that He has saved us and is transforming our lives. But also in hard times, we have hope. When things get hard, when life gets rough, when things uh, get crazy, we still have a hope, don't we? We still have a hope, and that's a hope in Jesus. I hope that um, He is for our good that what happens in our life, God is going to use it for our own good, for our own sanctification, for our own transforming of our lives, right? We still have that hope, and so we're encouraged to stay in and believe in, hold on to that hope. This week in Advent, this week, we look towards and we focus on peace and preparation. 
what we're talking about this morning, this week, is preparing our hearts for the coming of the King. Last week, we, we looked at and believed in hope. Like, there's this thing that I haven't seen yet. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but he's promised me that he's going to heal. He's promised me that he's going to restore. He's promised me that he's going to put back what was broken, and so I'm hoping in that, right? I'm hoping in that. I'm putting my faith in that. This week, we look towards the action steps in that, right? Faith in something moves us to action oftentimes, right? And so we're looking at how our hope and our faith and what, that God's going to do what he said, what we need to do, how we're going to prepare our hearts for what he's going to do. And so what I wanted to do this morning is look at um, a couple different people and see what we can learn from them, see what we can learn and how they prepared for the coming of Jesus and what that looked like for them. And so the first one, there's this, this lady in the Bible um, you might have heard of her. Her name was Mary, and uh, she was Jesus' mom. So she's kind of an important person, right? And so what we know about Mary at this point, where we're going to open up in Luke uh, 1, I'm going to start in verse 26. What we know about her right now is that she's basically this really um, righteous, this good woman, this upstanding woman um, that God has looked on and he's found favor in her life. We know that she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. They're going to get married. And so let's just kind of step in. We're going to like just bust up in her life, okay? Here it is, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Can't we all agree that if an angel just busted up in this place, we would be a little nervous, right? I mean, maybe you're like, no, I would just feel holy and like be good. I'm like, you're a liar. Like if an angel came in here, I would be like out the door. I'd be running, right? Because hey, you don't know what's about to happen. Like an angel's coming, man. What's he about to do? He's about to burn this mother down, right? This is getting crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is wrong with me? <laughs> said, but she was deeply troubled because an angel just appeared in front of her. Of course, natural reaction. Anyways, so she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So the angel comes into her life, he speaks to her, and he tells her a few things. He says, first off, Mary, you found favor with God. God has looked on you, he has seen your life, and because of the way you've lived your life, who you are, you found favor with him. It says you will conceive and give birth, right? And of course, this has got to be a question mark, because she's like, eh, how is that possible, right? I've never been with a man, this is, this is kind of weird, right? You will conceive and give birth to a son, his name will be Jesus, and the Lord will give him the throne of David. If you remember last week, we talked about all these promises that God had made that the people were hoping in. And at one point, he speaks to, to David. And he says, through your lineage, through your kingdom, I'm going to bring the Savior. Through your lineage, King David, which we've been talking about in our men's group, I'm gonna, through this lineage, I'm going to bring the promised one, the one that you're looking towards, the one that you're hoping for. I'm gonna, and so the angel's coming there, and he's telling her, remember that promise? The promise that I made to David in his lineage? I'm going to bring that to fruition through you, through this son, then he says he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will have no end. Wow. 
Like, forget the fact that an angel just appeared, okay? Like, that would just be, that in itself would be a day, right? But imagine if an angel appeared and spoke to you and said, you're about to have a son, and he's going to be the savior of the world. You're about to have the son, and he's the, have a son, and he's the one that your people have been looking for, have been waiting for, have been hoping for, for generations, for thousands of years. That's a day, right? That's a day. That's a day you wouldn't, wouldn't likely forget, right? The Savior of the world is coming, and I'm going to bring that to fruition through you. Wow. Like, how would you respond to that, right? Like, like as, as a mom, I can imagine that as a mom, you probably would already have, like, natural insecurities, right? Natural insecurities and fears and things that you're dealing with, like, um, like just about being a mom, am I, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to teach him or her enough? Am I going to be able to raise this, this son or daughter right? Like, imagine if that was the savior of the world. Don't mess this up, man. Like, if you, do, if you raise this, wrong, this kid wrong, things are going to go bad, right? I think of, like, I don't know why, but I think of, like, Star Wars and, like, Darth Vader, you know? He could have, been, could have saved the force, man, but instead he's Darth Vader and destroyed it. So half of you guys are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and then, like, three of you are like, Star Wars. Yeah. But imagine how she would be feeling right there, right? In that moment. I mean, all kinds of inadequate, all kinds of scared, all kinds of just crazy, right? How do you respond? I mean, imagine those conversations with her mom, you know? Like, mom, I'm going to have a baby. I need your help. Also, he's going to be the savior of the world. I really need your help. How do I raise this kid? Fear, anxiety, I mean... I was thinking about how I would respond, and at first, if, if an angel came to me and was like, Mike, you're going to have a kid, and he's going to be the savior of the world, the one that your people have been waiting for, looking for, for generations, at first I would be like, that's awesome. And then, like, five seconds later, I would be, like, terrified, peeing in my pants, scared, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's terrifying. So how does Mary respond? Well, first off, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. So all these things come, the angel says, this is what's going to happen. She said, all right, I'm the Lord's servant, so be it. And then we see a few days pass, and she goes and visits um, Elizabeth, and they have a conversation about this guy, John the Baptist. And then we see um, her true response, and they call this Mary's song. So this is her response to everything that had just happened. She's hearing about the coming king, about God going to bring Jesus through her. And they call it Mary's song, and here's what she said. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me. And his, his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation for those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of their, the thoughts of their heart. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and he has exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things. And he has sent the rich away and helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Her response to this news is to worship the king, to worship the Savior, to worship him for how he's come to heal and how he's come to save. And I think that what we as Christians need to, at least one thing that we can take from that 
is that our response to God matters. Like in this moment, in this season of preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus, uh, we're not just preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus, but we're preparing our hearts for those moments when Jesus speaks into your life. Like when we're sitting in a church service and the, the song, we're singing the song and there's something in the song that, that God speaks to you in or, or in the sermon or when you're reading your Bible or just driving down the road and God, those moments when God speaks into your life, when he speaks to your heart, how we respond to that matters. What we do with that matters. And Mary has this moment where God comes and speaks this, this amazing, overwhelming, huge thing into her life, and her heart is stirred to worship. In this season, we worship as well, right? We want our, our hearts and minds to be turned to worshiping the king. Mary could have been overcome with fear, and she probably was. Like, I would imagine that there was those moments whenever she was facing fear. I mean, don't you think like this, as a mom or a dad, there's probably like times you're doing great and then there's probably just those moments, those days where you're just overcome with fear, right? Like you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like as, as a dad, like I have that happen to me every once in a while where I'm like, I'm doing great. I'm an awesome dad. And then there's those moments where you're like, oh man, how is this kid still alive, right? Like, like thank God for Katie because this wouldn't be going bad, right? Y'all laugh. Y'all, y'all laugh a little too hard on that one. But what overrides all of her fear is this desire to worship the king for his goodness, for what he's about to do, right? And here's, I love what she names off in the worship. Here's, here's some things that she named off. She worships him because he's looked on her with favor, because he sees her. He's looking at her and he sees her life. He looks on her with favor. She says, generations will call me blessed because of what you've done in my life. I'm blessed because of what you've done in my life. She says, I worship you because you're holy. She says, he does mighty deeds. I worship you because you do mighty deeds. You scatter the proud and you topple the mighty. She says, because of the wickedness of their hearts, because of what's in their hearts, their thoughts. And then she says, I worship you because you exalt the lowly. You satisfy the hungry. Man, if you're here this morning and you're hungry and thirsty, know that you have a God that satisfies. You have a savior that satisfies. She worships him because he shows mercy and help to the weak and in need. And then she finishes this off, and it seems like it's out of place, but it's perfect. She says, just as you, sp- you have helped your servant Israel, just as you spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Do you guys remember last week the promise that God made to Abraham? He promised him that his descendants were going to number the stars, that he was going to save the world through his descendants. Here's the fulfillment of that promise said, just as you promised your, our father Abraham, you're fulfilling your promise. She's worshiping because he's fulfilling his promises. Mary responds to the coming of the king with worship. Now, as always, what we do with the Bible, right, is we want to read it, we want to understand it, we want to understand what God's saying in it, what he's speaking through it, and then there's this really terrifying thing that we need to do with it is to turn it back on ourselves and use it as a lens to view ourselves, right? That's, the, that's not the fun part about the Bible, right? Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's good, right? It's always good. So what we need to kind of do is we turn that lens, as we view, see what Mary's doing, we turn that lens on ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, how do we respond in this time? Mary responds with joy and worship of the king. To the, when she hears about the coming of Jesus, she responds with worship. But there's this other guy in the Bible that he doesn't respond that way. There's this guy named Herod. You guys may have heard of him. And he finds out about Jesus a little bit later, and his response is fear. What he wants to do when he hears about Jesus, who's supposed to be coming as the king, he responds in fear, wanting to hold on to his position, hold on to his place. And his, his response is to try to kill Jesus. 
That's not the good response to have, right? That's not the good response to have. But what we learn in that, as we turn the lens on ourselves, is that our responses often reveal our hearts. Our natural responses often betray our hearts sometimes, right? Like when you hear about a coworker getting a promotion at work or a friend getting married or something good happened to someone else, and sometimes there's that, that response of jealousy or bitterness or, or something, ha- right? We have these natural responses, and if we're not careful, those natural responses betray our hearts. Sometimes we need to pay attention, well, we need to pay attention to our responses, and sometimes we need to discipline or reprimand our responses. We need to examine our responses. This season, we need to pay attention to how we respond to Jesus. As we prepare for his coming, we need to pay attention to how we're responding to his coming, to those moments when he speaks into your life. We need to pay attention to how we're responding. And, and note that probably the worst response we could have is indifference. In this season of joy, in this season where we're celebrating the coming of the king, the goodness of God, the worst response we could have to him is indifference. It's a coldness of heart. The coldness of heart. Even if, like, like, even in those moments when God is speaking to you and, and speaking into your life through, through sermons or through worship or through reading his word, um, even if he speaks to you and he admonishes you or he corrects you, like, like have you ever had those times where you're, you're worshiping or whatever and, and God speaks to you and you're like, oh, what you said kind of hurt, Jesus. Right, like what you said, I didn't like that one so much. That one hurt. But here's the thing about that. Even if God reprimands you, the king is speaking to you. How amazing is that? Like even in that moment where he's like gut punch, Michael, you're really selfish. Oh God, that hurt. But thank you, Jesus, for speaking to me. I love you. Our response is still to worship him for reprimanding us. I know that's crazy, but that's like the king is speaking to you. Wow, don't look on that lightly. Even if he's admonishing you, the king is still speaking to you. That's amazing. Worship him for that. Thank you for hurting me, Jesus. Right? <laughs> and then there's a second person that I want to look at today. As we, our first response to Jesus should always be to worship him. Um, but sometimes we have to prepare our hearts in order to worship him. In order to respond to him the right way, we need to prepare our hearts and minds. And so I want to look at um, the other guy in the equation, Joseph. We're going to look at Matthew uh, 1, and I'm going to start in verse 18. He says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been, oh, excuse me, yeah, after his mother Mary had been engaged, engaged to Joseph, so she's engaged to this guy Joseph, says it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after they, had, uh, after they had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, get this, because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Because he will save his people from their sins. So at first, Joseph hears about Jesus and he's kind of confused, right? Probably frustrated, probably a little angry. Um, and he probably feels a little bit betrayed, don't you think? 
Like if you were engaged to someone, you know that you had never been intimate with them, find out they're pregnant, you might feel a little bit betrayed. Maybe? Maybe? Okay, let's be honest. Maybe? Like, no, I wouldn't care. You're a liar. And maybe I'm blind. But Joseph, he's a little, but, but even in that, like it says that he decided he was going to divorce her secretly. Even in that, there's something that we can learn from that. Because Joseph is this righteous man who looks at this woman who he thinks at first has betrayed him. And he says, I want to treat her with dignity. I want to treat her with respect. And instead of shaming her name, what I'm going to do is I'm going to divorce her secretly and privately so that I don't embarrass her, so I don't hurt her, so I don't ashamed, make her feel ashamed. I think as Christians, there's something that we can learn from that, right? Like maybe um, treating people who have hurt us still with dignity, respect, and kindness. Like not just saying it's about me, but saying, hey, even though you've hurt me, I still am going to love you and do what's best for you instead of just trying to hurt you. I don't know. Side point, but stuck out to me, right? But so he soon recognized the, an, an, the angel comes to him in a dream, and he lets him know that this, this kid coming was by God. He's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to save the people from their sins. So again, how do you respond to that? I think about myself um, putting myself in this situation, and he's telling him that he's going to be the king of the world. He's going to save the people from their sins, and I know this is kind of maybe a weird thought, but for myself, just putting myself, I, I was like, does he like store, study war strategy and stuff? I mean, I know that sounds weird, but he's telling him he's going to be the king of the world. I'm like, so should I like try to teach him how to conquer the world or something? I don't know. Right? No? I mean, Joseph was a carpenter. That was, that was my thought. I know it's kind of weird. That he talked to his son about, or his dad about raising a son. What does he do? I think back to whenever Katie and I found out that we were going to have Gideon and I was like, literally, I'm laying in the bed, I'm looking at my phone, and all of a sudden a pregnancy test just goes, boop. I'm like, you talk about waking up fast, right? Found out that we're having Gideon. And I, from that moment on, everything was about how do we prepare for that? How do we prepare for this? Like the following the weeks and the month, you feel totally unprepared. You feel inadequate. You feel overwhelmed. But at the same time, you're excited. But the overwhelming feeling for me as a dad was, I got to prepare for this. So we're like baby gates, nurseries, clothes, um, reading all the books, like et cetera, like all, whatever we can do. Like we're dads, we, we prepare for things, we fix things. Like we get out the whiteboard and like draw it up. Here's how we're going to do this, right? And I think about Joseph and just that mindset. Again, Mary, thinking about Mary, thinking about Joseph, we're having the savior of the world is going to be our son. We got to get ready for this. We don't like, because there's a good part of that, right? Like, the Savior of the world is coming. He's going to be your son. That's awesome. But what if the Savior of the world comes? He's supposed to be the Savior of the world, but you screw it up. <laughs> like Then you're the footnote of like, God brought the king, but that's the pressure I would be feeling personally. And I know that that's like dumb and that that's not, like there's nothing that they could have done to mess that up. But that's what I would be feeling in that moment. But however Joseph prepared, I imagine that he prepared and prepared and prepared for the king of the universe to be born. This Advent season, as we anticipate the coming of Jesus, as we look towards Jesus' coming, imagine being in, in Joseph's shoes. There's this thing that your people have been preparing for and hoping for for centuries, and someone comes to you and says, I'm going to do it through your family. Regardless of how Joseph prepared for the coming of Jesus, he prepared, right? He prepared. Um, every week, uh, Joel, Katie, and Katie and I sit down, we have lunch, and we prepare for this service. So we talk about 
I, you know, here's what I'm preaching on. Katie lines up the songs, try to lines up the songs with what I'm preaching on. Joel's working from the media ops angle. Here's what we got to get together. And so this week, Joel and I were having lunch, and we were talking about, I was talking about the sermon, and he said, it kind of reminds me of the wise men. And I was like, that's, that's a good point, because if you think and look to the wise men, there were some guys also that were preparing for the coming of Jesus. They're sitting there, they're waiting, they're watching the sky, they're anticipating this promise, they're, they're waiting for this fulfillment to come, this thing that God had promised to come. And then when they saw that star, what did they do? They boogied, man, right? They load up the camels, let's go. Let's go find that king. Let's go find him. The anticipation and preparation, they're preparing, they're anticipating, excuse me, they were anticipating Jesus. They were hoping for Jesus, and that anticipation caused them to prepare for Jesus. That hope for Jesus, their faith caused them to prepare for Jesus. So how do we prepare? How do we prepare our hearts? How do we prepare our minds for the coming of the King? And I would think, you know, we kind of are looking at it from a different angle, because guess what? Secret's out. He came. We know. But as we look at it from a different angle, how do we prepare our hearts for when he wants to come to you? Like when he wants to speak to you, when he wants to talk to you, when he wants to be active in your life, how do we prepare for that? Because I would say that it's important that we prepare for that as well. Like every Saturday night before Sunday, because Saturday comes before Sunday, um, I go in my office and I prepare for today. I don't like write, start writing my sermon. It's already done. I'm like, like, all right, gosh, it's only a few hours away. I got to figure this out. Um, but what I do is I try to begin to prepare my heart for today. I try to prepare my mind for today because, you know, I spend time in prayer. I spend time going over, looking over my sermon because I want to be prepared to be used by God. And I think that it's just as important that we prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from God, right? And so a few things that I, I thought about in those times when, when God speaks to you because he will speak to you, I, I think that it's important that we prepare, right? And so um, a few things that I thought of, the first step is always this, and this is always the least fun, is self-examination. How we prepare, prepare our hearts for Jesus to speak into our life. Self-examination, the one thing that gets in the way of your relationship with God more than anything is willful sin in your life. And so if there's sin in our hearts, what we need to do as we prepare for Jesus um, to speak into our lives is to examine ourselves of sin. Is there sin in my life? Is there things going on in my life that I know are wrong? I know something that are keeping me, that are disturbing, that are distorting the relationship that I have with God. And now, granted, there's times in the church service or when you're reading a Bible, and Lord knows it's happened to me a million times, where I'm reading my Bible and God's like just finger on my heart. Ugh, that's the one I'm talking about. Now, we have to be prepared to hear from him as well, right? So prepare ourselves to look and see, is there something in my life that's getting in the way of that? And secondly, is be prepared to listen when he speaks. So how do we do that? I, I think it comes from having a humble and a responsive heart to Jesus. What I mean by a humble heart is a heart that listens to him when he speaks. Not listens like, I hear you, but listens like, I get it. I understand what you're saying to me, Jesus. For example, we've all sat in a church service. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But when the preacher says something and you're like, oh, I wish he was here to hear that. Right? 
Or you're reading your Bible, it's like, oh, I'm going to text this verse to my mom because she needs to get off my back, right? I'm just kidding. I love my mom. Mom, if you listen to the podcast, you're fantastic. But right, like we've all sat there and you've heard it and you're like, I wish so-and-so was here. They need that. That is called the opposite of having a humble and responsive heart. Because here's the thing about this place. Here's the thing about the Bible. It's for you. Like when God speaks, he's speaking to you. Like if, if he has something to say to my wife, sometimes he'll say it through me, but I promise you it's not as much as I would like for it to be, right? Like it's not that often that it comes through me. Right? Usually if God has something to say to her, he can say it to her himself. So I think it's key for us if we want to hear from God is that we have a humble heart that's willing to listen to what he has to say. That's willing to listen to what he has to say to us. And then finally, I would say this, if we want to hear from God, as we prepare our hearts to hear from God, we need to have a willingness to move when God says go. When God calls us to action in our lives, maybe it's dealing with a sin, maybe it's something he's calling you to do, we need to be willing to move when he says move. Because here's the thing about the wise men as we look at them again. It was great if they were preparing, they're hoping for God for Jesus to come, they're, they're looking for the stars in the sky, they see it, they're like, there it is, awesome, that's the promise, the fulfillment is here, all right, let's chill. The story of Christmas would look a little bit different, don't you think? It wouldn't look the same at all, right? Instead, what happened is the wise men are waiting, they're anticipating, they're hoping they see the star, what'd they do? Saddle up the camels and let's go. There's often times in our lives that God speaks to us. Now, one, he has to get, sometimes he has to, get through the sin that's, that's standing in the way. Sometimes he has to get through our own stubbornness of being unwilling to listen. But then there's times when we're willing to listen. He speaks into your life and speaks into my life and our response is like, mm, Jesus, I needed to hear that. Thank you, brother. But then we just do what? We just move right along. See, when God talks to you, what he wants to do is see action on your part in the most beautiful of ways, not in a, in a bad way, but in the most beautiful of ways. Right? As we go back to earlier, like when the king of kings speaks to you, that's a good thing because the king of kings is speaking to you. And so often what happens is we go, we read the Bible and we're just like, oh, that was good. Thank you for that encouragement. And we forget about it and we move right along. I want to encourage you when God speaks to you, don't just listen, but take action in it. Prepare your hearts, prepare your minds for action, to move. And then he will use your life. In this season, let us prepare for Jesus by first examining our hearts. Is there sin in my life? By secondly, humbling our hearts so that we can hear what he has to say. And then thirdly, by moving when God says move. Because then you're going to live an adventure, man. Let us be a church and a people that are prepared for Jesus. I want to look back at Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. You're like, what is yeah, I just left that verse out there. Like, that had nothing to do with anything he just talked about, right? Check this out. Let's read it one more time. In the wilderness, says Isaiah 43-5, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all the people will see it together, for the, la- for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what happens is, again, Jesus is born. We guys know that, right? I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Jesus is born, and then he lives on earth for about 30 years. And there's this guy that goes before him called, named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's job is to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. 
He's preparing the people for Jesus. He's saying, hey, Jesus is coming. He's like the bell ringer. The Savior's coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And, and kind of one of his big anthems is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Jesus is coming. Repent. Examine your hearts. Is there sin in your hearts? The king is coming. Get ready. And so he's preparing the world. He's proclaiming that Jesus is coming. He's telling the world the king is coming. And one of the things that he uses when he's telling people he's coming was that verse that I just read to you. He's going out and he's proclaiming this prophecy um, from thousands of years ago, this quote telling the world that the king is coming, telling what God will do when the king comes. So the king is coming. Here's what he's going to do. Check out what he just said. He said, every valley will be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. The rough grounds shall become level and the rugged places will become plain. What is he talking about? You tell, no, I'm just kidding. All of these things that John and then the prophet Isaiah were speaking about are obstacles that stand in the way of us getting from point A to point B. All of these things, a mountain, if you have to travel around a mountain, it's going to be difficult to get all the way around. That. It's an obstacle that stands in the way, a rugged road. It's an obstacle, um, the valleys. It's an obstacle that stands in the way of point A to point B. And what John is saying is there's going to be coming a one. There's coming this one who's going to lower the mountains. He's going to, he's going to raise the valleys. He's going to make the, the rough roads easy to travel. He's, there's all these obstacles in the way. All these obstacles in the way that have kept you from God, that have kept you from knowing healing, that have kept you from knowing life, that have kept you from the Savior. And God is going to break down all of the barriers. After all of these years, after all this time waiting, after all of this time hoping, God is coming and he's going to break down the barriers that you've been hoping and waiting, and you will see the glory of God. And his name will be Jesus. His name will be Jesus. The coming of Jesus to earth, God becoming man to save us, is the greatest miracle known to man. The one who's come that's going to lower the mountains, he's going to raise the valleys, he's making straight our path to Jesus. It had been broken. It had been distorted by our sin. And he's come He's to, to prepare to make the way for us so that now we can have a relationship with God again. Let us be a people. Let us be a church that prepares our hearts for that so that we don't miss it. Because God has done through Jesus this incredible, amazing thing of bringing God to man so that now we can have a relationship with him again. Let us make sure that we are consistently preparing our hearts and our minds so that we can hear his voice, so we can see his face, so that we can know the glory of the Lord. So we can know the glory of the Lord. There's, last night, we, uh, we were sitting at the house. Joel and Katie came over, and we, we have all our Christmas tree decorations up. We are just hanging out watching movies, and so we got the Christmas tree up, and one thing I really wanted to get was a train set. I don't know why, but I had one. I want a train set. And Gideon loves that train set, man. It is the most fun thing. Like, he's just now got to where he can sit up, right? And so he'll sit up at the edge of the train set, and it goes around the tree, and he'll just sit there, and he watches it. 
and it goes around the tree, and then it, and he's just like smiling, eyebrows raised. I don't know if you, he like gets his eyebrows up real big, and he watches it as it disappears, and then it disappears, and he's like looking for it. You know, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then when he sees it coming up around, he does this thing, like he like loses it. He starts going like this, real crazy, and like smiling real big. And then when it gets there, he just like dives for it. He tries to get that train, man. He tries to knock it off the thing. It's the most fun thing to watch. But we were sitting there, and Katie was like, "This is a really good." Uh, really good uh, illustration for preparation. I was like, it is, man. Because what we have is this beautiful gift of a king who's come. A king who speaks into your life. A king that you can hear his voice. Man, let us hope for that. Let us prepare for that. Let us anticipate those moments, those times. Anticipate our king like a child sitting around a Christmas tree waiting for that train set to come around. He's hoping for it. He's anticipating it. And when that sucker comes, he is ready. He is ready. Let us be a church and let us be a people like that. That when our king speaks, we're prepared to hear his voice and then he can move in our lives. And then we take action and move. And then let's not forget, we worship our king. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. God, that you are the king that makes the mountains low and the, raise up the valleys and make the rugged plains um, easy to travel. Lord, you have brought Jesus here so that we can now have a relationship with you again. You literally, the way to you was blocked and you shattered it all. You shattered all of the obstacles in our way so that now we can know you, now we can hear you, now we can see you. Lord, let us be a church, let us be a people whose hearts and minds and souls are prepared for you. Let us this week prepare our hearts for this Christmas season, that we would soak it up, that we would bathe in it, not just um, in the, the toys and the Senate, but soak it up for what it is. The King has come. You have shattered the obstacles. Let us prepare our hearts and minds and souls for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.